the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, January the 17th, 2024, in the year of our Lord. On January 17, 1961, President Dwight D. Eisenhower delivered his farewell address in which he warned against, quote, the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Today in 1917, Denmark ceded Virginia, uh, the uh, Virgin Islands to the United States for $25 million. Today in 1950, the great Brinks robbery took place. Seven masked men held up a Brinks garage in Boston. They stole $1.2 million in cash. This was in 1950. $1.2 million in cash and $1.5 million in checks and money orders. Although the entire gang was caught, only a small part of the loot was recovered. One has to wonder what they did with the rest of it. They spent it, maybe. Maybe they put it somewhere. Who knows? Today in 1994, 6.7 magnitude earthquake in Northridge, California. It's in the San Fernando Valley. Struck Southern California. Killed at least 60 people. Today in 2020, U.S. health officials announced that they would begin screening airline passengers from central China. There was this new coronavirus. People traveling from Wuhan, China would have their temperature checked and be asked about symptoms. And today in 2022, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov angrily rejected the U.S. allegations that Moscow was preparing a pretext to invade Ukraine as Russian troops were stationed near the Ukraine's border. He said, it, it's nothing. Forget about it. Don't worry. We're not planning any kind of an invasion. Well, sometimes people lie, don't they? MSNBC and CNN decided not, on Monday night, decided not to um, air Trump's Iowa victory speech, all the other channels did, they decided not to, it was censorship, pure and simple, Rachel Maydow was on, um, was on the air trying to explain it, I guess they got a lot of pushback, even from the left, they were pretty upset, even the guys that really hate Trump, they wanted to hear what he had to say, and uh, that wasn't given to them by their favorite stations, MSNBC and CNN. She came on the air, Rachel Maydow. She's pretty highly, her her program is pretty highly watched. Her ratings are, are fairly strong when I have seen them. They were at least. I don't check it out every day on Rachel Maydow, but I do pay attention to those things. And anyway, she was chosen as the one apparently to sort of explain to the friendly left. She said, it's not out of spite, not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. And honestly, honestly, 
It is not an easy decision. Nobody believes that. It was a very easy, automatic decision to censor Donald Trump. They hate him, and they're scared to death of him. Now that the dust has settled in Iowa, we know that Trump won 98 of the 99 counties in the state. The one that he didn't win, I think it was Johnson County, he lost by one vote. Well, that could strike terror in the heart of anyone who's on the far left. And speaking of the far left, they're meeting in Davos. The prospect of Donald Trump returning to the White House in 2024 poses a fundamental challenge to Europe. The Daily Telegraph says the world's largest investment company is warning other money people they better watch out because Trump is very well going to be in the White House again. The Daily Telegraph is reporting that BlackRock, that's the, he's a, this guy's a vice chairman, this Philip Hildebrand, he issued a, a caution from the sidelines of the uh, World Economic Forum that's happening as we speak in Davos, uh, Switzerland. And he was adding his voice to the swelling chorus uh, from Europe that fears a return to the world stage, the Daily Telegraph is saying this morning. BlackRock is the largest uh, investment money group in the world. And I believe Vanguard is second, if not their third. They're among the top two or three investment firms. They are the firms, BlackRock and Vanguard in particular, that have been pushing these companies around. I'm not making any excuses for them, but companies like Walmart and Target and the big retailers around the country They look to BlackRock in particular, but Vanguard as well, as getting their operating capital in in a line of credit. And it involves billions and billions and billions of dollars, I mean, over the long haul. So these people, particularly BlackRock and Vanguard, have been putting the pressure on these guys to take a deep dive into this DEI and... And, and jump on board and march in lockstep with the LGBTQAI plus whatever uh, movement. And they've been doing that. And so I'm not suggesting that they aren't guilty in what they've been doing as far as pushing this at little kids, particularly Target, but other stores as well. They are. And I'm sure there's activists within those organizations. But there's also these people who are – who whom these retailers in particular are dependent upon are pushing this LGBTQ AI plus agenda. And so they're the guys, the money source for operating on for these large uh, corporations, particularly retail corporations. So they are warning they're scared to death. And this Hildebrand is warning these money people that are all gathered in their private planes in Davos, Switzerland, talking about global warming or whatever. And he's saying, man, we better watch out because it looks like, he he said, Europe is fearing a Trump return to the world stage. And we better really take this under consideration very seriously because uh, that would not fit their plan for your future and mine as well. So that's kind of where we are in the world this morning, just at a glance, the world at a glance. 
I want to talk to you, though, about a best-selling author. This best-selling author is influential. She's quoted often in the New York Times. New York Magazine has written her up quite regularly. Other left-wing, The Atlantic, which is widely read, but is far left, used to be conservative some years ago. They all follow Joyce Carol Oates around. They'll even carry her water for her when they when she needs it carried. They're uh, they're on her team. They like her because they like what she says. Well, she came out uh, this notable author. You may not have heard of her before because you don't live in that world, but the left knows who she is. She's quite influential among her brothers and sisters of the left. She's also an atheist. So she says, if there is such a thing, I doubt seriously that anybody much, when they know they're taking their last breath, are really an atheist. But I don't know. I know I would not be an atheist. I would be anything but an atheist if I were going to reject Christianity. But nonetheless, she's an atheist. Notable author, she's facing criticisms now is allegations of bigotry for describing the Bible as a work of fiction and fertile ground for hypocrisy. She came out on this on the 11th, just about a week ago, and she was on uh, X, formerly Twitter, and um, she was uh, she was talking about Christianity, what a sham it is, what a, what a deception, and the Bible, what a deception it is. So uh, the Joyce Carol Oates she responded to this podcast on this uh, co-host, this Sam Adler Bell. I don't know much about him. It doesn't really matter. I'm concerned about what he said about this. I don't know what he says about other things. But anyway, his suggestion that she needs to read the Bible by declaring the Bible, as you call it, is a work of fiction or rather an anthology of fictions. Well, that was the beginning. <clears throat> she was watching this, and so were many others. Now this has gone viral. And Oates kind of personifies the spirit of hate toward biblical truth. And so this has caught fire, and people are reading it all over the country and all over the world. On January 11, her post on X, Twitter, Joyce Carol Oates responded to a podcast of this Sam Oliver Bell suggested that she needs to read the Bible, and she said the Bible, she wouldn't, capitalize the B, the Bible, as you call it, is a work of fiction, or rather an anthology of fictions. She said, she added, it's not the Bible for much of the world's population, and those who claim it as their own select those verses that are that appeal to them while ignoring other verses. She concluded by characterizing the Bible as fertile ground for hypocrisy. Well, as you can imagine, this set off a lot of other people like us who did, didn't like that, and they jumped on, and perhaps some of you did as well. They jumped into this conversation on social media, and they begin to, to really challenge it, of course. And um, her remarks about the Bible followed her reaction to a post from the podcaster. But then she got drawn into it, and they got to talking about the, how the Bible says to take care of widows and orphans and, and prisoners. 
So she responded to that, and in response, she said, widows, orphans, prisoners, really? These entirely desperate groups have something in common? Well, that triggered more conversation on the Internet. Well, the Bible is clear about the church's responsibilities to the widows, and I will underline church, not necessarily government. What's happened with us, and I don't want to get, but this is a sidebar to what I'm really talking about, but the conversation developed around this helping the you know, the poor and the widows and the orphans and so on. And the Bible is very clear, and the prisoners, the Bible is very clear on that. Uh, it tells us to do that. But what we have seen in our in our culture and in, in the West culture is that in recent years, guys like Lyndon B. Johnson with his great society and others, war on poverty and so on, they have brought the government in and have displaced the church, and the church has allowed them to do so over a period of time in fulfilling scriptures that are directed to individuals, believers, and to the church of Jesus Christ in particular. Um, that's that's part of the problem. And it's it's not didn't come into this uh, exchange on social media that we're talking about. But that's part of the problem is that people believe that the government should take care of all of these people. But it was to the church, not to the government, that these statements were made, inspired, inerrant words were made to the body of Christ. So anyway, well, the Bible is clear about this. Orphans, prisoners, widows. This exchange raises an issue that's too prevalent in our culture today. It's an attack on the Bible, on the Bible's authenticity. That's what she was really trying to do. She doesn't care about orphans or widows or prisoners. I mean, that's underlined by what she says and what she believes and what she has said over a long period of time. So Tom Fenton, he's the president of the government watchdog, judicial watch. I'm sure many of you are familiar with what he does. He does a great job. He took to X on Saturday afternoon, and he was condemning her post as an example of what Tom Fenton called it, Ignorant, anti-Christian bigotry. I agree. That's exactly what it is. So he was talking about this. Tom Spivy, founder and lead pastor at New Vintage Church in Escondido, California. He's also an adjunct professor of religion and philosophy at Pepperdine University. He saw this and he jumped into it and he responded to her post on X Saturday by stating, he said, Good to see religious bigotry bigotry is alive and well. Even if you think it's fiction, it's the most influential written work in history, and it isn't close. For good reason, he added. Christians do breathtaking good around the world, despite your scorn and caricature. Well, that is true, and I think it's well known. If anybody that's paying attention to the what's happening in the world, anytime there's a disaster you're going to see the first feet on the ground to help those organizations and those individuals are going to be Christians almost every single time. I don't know of a time when atheists were there before the Christians were or if the atheists ever were there at all. 
for any humanitarian work. Perhaps there is, but I'm not aware of it if atheists are going out and helping people. I'm very aware of the Christian organizations that do that, particularly Franklin Graham comes to mind and others are out there. When there's an earthquake, when there's a tsunami, when there's a, 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 a volcano, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. They're there. So here's this woman, and I, I understand she's probably makes a living being an atheist. I don't know her heart. I do know a little bit about Madeline Murray O'Hare. Remember her? She was kind of the most famous atheist in the world there for a few years. I got to know her son, Bill, quite well. Grew up in his mother's home, of course, and Bill Murray. And uh, we had a lot of contact in the years past. I haven't had contact with him recently. I don't know if he's still living. I, I believe he is. But he and I got to know each other. We had some very uh, open discussions. And he told me uh, more than once, he said, Gary, he said, it's a business for my mother. She She's not an atheist. And it wasn't in defense of her that she was a Christian. He and she were estranged. As he, when he became an adult, he became a Christian and accepted Christ as his personal savior. But he said it's a business for her, and he said she's made lots and lots and lots of money and has spent and lost most of it. But he said she's made lots of money. He said we have a we had a Christmas tree when I was a kid. He said she was famous and and my mom was out there and she was on television and people were atheists were flocking to her because she was their person and their voice and so on but he said in our home he said man we had a christmas tree and he said we'd put ornaments on it and mom would put you know the angels that we had on there and we'd have christmas dinner and he said it was like two different worlds there was her atheist world and then there were there was her home world where she just was kind of normal he said she wasn't a christian but he said she was hardly a a true atheist but he said it was her business, and that's the way she conducted her life throughout it. There's much, much, much I could tell you about their family and their life and their home, but that's not my point today. The point is that this woman, I think, reflects this author, Joyce Carol Oates. She reflects a spirit that is in the world today, and we see the evidence of it on every hand, almost in every part of our culture. There is, of course, a concern for her soul, and I'll get to that in a moment. I would and I pray that she would find Jesus Christ as her Savior. But in the meantime, the damage that they do to people and young, impressionable minds, I think it's immeasurable. And the damage they do to themselves is very obvious in the lives of some, in the last minutes of their life. And we'll get to that in a moment. But Tom Spivy is founder and lead pastor of New Vintage Church in Escondido. He he responded to her, good to see religious bigotry is alive and well. He said, even if you think it's fiction, it's the most influential, talking about the Bible, it's the most influential written work in history, and it isn't close for good reason. He said, Christians do breathtaking good around the world, despite your scorn and caricature. That is very, very true. Christian Post picked up on this, and they wrote a story about it as well. 
They said Reverend Ben Johnson, an Orthodox Christian whom serves as senior editor of the Washington Stand, Christian Post says he replied to a post from Clemson University visiting fellow Philip Bunn lamenting Oates' decision to dunk on widows and orphans by identifying her statement as minimizing the impact of a book that has sold infinitely more copies than all the books she's ever written combined. They also note that the podcast host and the author, this Kale Zeldin, characterized Oates' post about the Bible as an example of how, quote, famous public intellectuals out themselves as ignorant lightweights. Other ex-users took issue with Oates' claim. She continued to double down with additional assertions, casting doubts on the Bible's authenticity. In one post published later on, just on Thursday, this past Thursday, Oates insisted, quote, it's pointless to try to reason with persons for whom blind faith is an ideal. She added in her post on Thursday, what is particularly exasperating is that the Bible is cited haphazardly and arbitrarily as vindication for virtually anything. A subsequent post by Oates took a dig at Christian intelligence as well, particularly that of Christians who support, oh boy, here here comes Donald Trump. Yes, she had to bring him into the conversation particularly Christians. she Their intelligence is, is really questioned by her, particularly those who support former President Donald Trump. She said, quote, Why is the Bible, in fact, only a small portion of Christians' belief in a literal interpretation of the Bible, and they're also likely to believe that T, asterisk, 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 P. <laughs> she couldn't say the name Trump. She can't say the name God. She said, why do, why do so many Christians believe that T.P. is heralding the second coming? Christians aren't, that isn't where Christians are coming from. That shows you how out of touch she is. She may know a lot about disbelief. She knows nothing about true belief. People see Trump as somebody that kind of does what he says politically in spite of himself. And that he stands for some of the beliefs that we hold very dear, in fact, are willing to die for. The truth of the Bible. Fundamental Christian, Judeo-Christian values and principles. She has no clue. I don't know a single Christian that thinks Trump is the second coming. Or anything like that. There may be some way out on the left, out there, some or the right somewhere that believes that. But the people I know don't believe that. I certainly don't. But in another post, she shared her opinion that the Hebrew Bible, this was again on Thursday, her opinion that the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament are two separate gatherings of writings by various persons over a considerable period of time, while stressing that those who want to believe that these are divine books are welcome to their belief. When she was accepting the 2007 Humanist Award uh, of the year, back in 2007, it was the 66th annual conference of the American Humanist Association, she said, uh, she outlined how, quote, it has always been something of a mystery to me that intelligent, educated men and women, as well as the uneducated, can have faith in an invisible and non-existent God. In a 2009 interview with the New York Times magazine that belongs to the New York Times newspaper, 
Oates reflected on her Catholic upbringing, recalling, quote, I could never take the idea of religion very seriously. Interesting that she would say that in 2009, New York Times Magazine. On Friday, this last Friday, on her post, she said, quote, It's embarrassing to admit that I was very impressed at a young age by the Bible and learned all one need to know about the male ego. So she was very impressed as a child, but in 2009 she said she never was very impressed. That's interesting because that's typical. She said what she learned, all she needed to know, she learned from the Bible about male ego, self-aggrandizing, self-regarding, self-preening, and even self-begetting in Genesis chapter 5. America's founding fathers recognized the importance of the Bible. Tragically, Oates does not. John Adams said the Bible contains the most profound philosophy, the most perfect morality, the most refined policy that ever was conceived on earth. His son said the Bible is of all John Quincy Adams is of all books in the world that which contributes most to make men good, wise, and happy. At some point in her life, Oates will face the reality of her empty atheism. And almost every other atheist does when they look eternity in the face. Where then can she turn? It's interesting. She's enjoying the benefits of a nation founded on biblical principles while she mocks God and mocks the values that gave her the life she has in a country she lives in. A lot of atheists have struggled when they were dying. Caesar Borga, he was an Italian nobleman, a politician, and a cardinal. He said, while I lived, I provided for everything but death. Now I must die, and am prepared, unprepared to die. Thomas Hobbes, he was a political philosopher, he's often quoted. He said, I say again, if I had the whole world at my disposal, I would give it to live one day. I am about to take a leap into the dark. These are deathbed statements. Thomas Paine, leading atheist writer in American colonies, he said, stay with me, for God's sake, I cannot bear to be left alone. O Lord, help me. O God, what have I done to suffer so much? What will become of me hereafter? I would give worlds, if I had them, that the age of reason had never been published. O Lord, help me. Christ, help me. Don't leave me. Stay with me. Send even a child to stay with me. I am on the edge of hell, alone. Voltaire, famous and Christian atheist, he said, anti-Christian atheist, he said, I am abandoned by God and man. But he wasn't, didn't believe in God, so how could God abandon him if there was no God? Well, of course there's a God, and he is abandoned, because he has refused to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, who is the only path to God. He said his physician, doctor, he said to his physician, Dr. Fochin, not Fauci, but Fochin, he said, I will give you half of everything I'm worth if you will give me six months of life. When he was told that that was impossible, he said, then I shall die and go to hell. The nurse stayed with him during the night. He died in the morning. He said, his nurse said, for all the money in Europe, I wouldn't want to see another unbeliever die. All night long, he cried for forgiveness. David Hume, same thing, atheist philosopher. 
He cried out loud on his deathbed, I am in flames. And so on. I could tell you story after story after story documented of atheists. They do not die well. This is a reminder that we must know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And then we will be prepared to meet him when our life is over. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.